The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Keith Campagna. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to another episode, actually the 32nd one of this year, of 2020, uh, to, of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. And uh, welcome, everyone, to, uh, or thank you, everyone, for being part of Googleization Nation. Uh, we are growing. We're getting about 50 or 60 new people a week, and uh, we're getting a lot more activity, and we really appreciate you being part of it. Uh, before we go much further, I also want to make sure that everybody is staying healthy, uh, that you and your teams and your family are safe and and doing what's needed to kind of help us get beyond this. Uh, so uh, please wear your masks. Not you know, we want you to be safe, but please protect other people by doing that. That's what the masks are for. Uh, and uh, hopefully, um, you know, it's going to be a long haul this fall, but hopefully we're going to be able to get out of it. Um, we are, we're going to have a bit of a special show today. Uh, I had the opportunity to interview last week, uh, John Sine. Uh, John is, uh, part of Singularity University and he's, uh, he's actually Africa's first, uh, faculty member from Singularity University. Uh, he is also uh, on a couple other institutes, uh, a, a Futurist Institute. Uh, you'll hear a little bit more about him. Uh, but we recorded it, and we had just an extraordinary, I had a, an extraordinary time with him. It's it just been phenomenal. And if there's any indication of how good he is, uh, my mother, who is uh, will be 97 next month, I sent it down to her. I thought she'd be interested. Uh, and um, she just loved it. She sent it out to all, all her friends. So it's a topic that it, it, it you'll hear segments of this. We, we didn't have the opportunity to to broadcast, rebroadcast the whole show. And we had an opening this week. So. Uh, I, I took out the highlights, the clips. So what we're going to do is Keith and I are, are going to be talking a little bit about that. We're going to listen to it with you and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about it. Um, uh, Keith had not heard it uh, and I want to get his take on it. Uh, but one of the questions I asked and, and it's always, you know, I, I, we interview a lot of super smart people, uh, thought leaders and influencers, and they always have, um, you know, there, there's they're ahead of the curve. I mean, if, if we want to talk about that as much as ahead of the curve as you can possibly be these days, uh, but they are they are pretty astute and up on things. And one of the, the one of the things that that always interests me is you. We, it's tough to stump our guests, um, but I asked this question, and I'm going to kind of lead into to uh, Keith with it as well. I asked this question to John and. As a futurist, I was sort of surprised at his answer, uh, but I was pleased. And his first comment was that, well, the question was, 
what what was the oddest thing that you experienced or that you've seen uh, as, as a result of the pandemic? And his response was, that's a really odd question. And I haven't, I, and, and no one's ever asked that before. So I, and, it's, and you'll hear this from him, he said he liked that. Um, so I've started to ask a lot of people, what, what's the oddest thing? I mean, because we've, had, we've been experiencing a lot of really odd things. So think about that. What's the oddest thing that you've seen? Let us know. Uh, you can put it in the chat. You can, uh, or sometimes to get a, a more active response, if you want to put it up on LinkedIn, uh, you can message us, Keith or myself, and let us know what was something totally unexpected, something shocking, something odd uh, that that's happened um, that totally, um, again, I, I, I guess that it's just, that, that it's just kind of came out of left field. So Keith, um, we've been talking for months. I mean, we've over the last two years, we've been talking a lot, but, um, we've been, we've been talking to a lot of people. We hear some great ideas. We, we've experienced some odd things, uh, some of the unexpected. And yet that here we are in the sixth month of this pandemic. What, if, looking back, what's the, what's, is there, what's the oddest thing you've seen? Totally kind of, uh, again, just totally unexpected, um, other than a pandemic. <laughs> so. um, well, you mean in terms of like, well, so I think I actually watched this. You posted this on to the, uh, on LinkedIn, right? I had sex. Yeah, I had. Po- yeah, yeah, yeah. You sent a shout it, yeah. out. And I remember thinking, holy cow, John was like, uh, he said other than ever, I think other than everything uh, being odd, that's a good question. Something like that. So I'm looking forward to getting the full scope here. But in terms of the most odd thing that's happened is, um, it, it, it almost feels like it's too easy to say based off of the idea that somebody out there might have been listening to us for the last three or I'm sorry, you know, year and a half, almost two years. And that is that people are surprised by all of this. Like we talked. I mean, the future of work is the, is our like I guess I'm thinking the people in the business world are su- are surprised with how they don't know what to do. Um, and and there there's almost so much opportunity now for people to take advantage of what the oddest thing to me is how almost resistant or blind people are to the the simplicity of taking advantage of the opportunity mm-hmm. um you know we've talked about this on the podcast earlier um with previous shows i i really wasn't paying attention too much in 20 2008 and 2010 when the, the great recession took place because I had babies and I was really, really busy with working at ADP. And I didn't really notice the, the macro opportunities that were taking place. I was just too busy doing my own thing. But the odd thing to me is how many people I'm talking to that are le- like realistically having and realizing opportunities of a lifetime, opportunities of a career, uh, new businesses are being developed. Uh, you know, we talk about, I, I forget who coined the, co- coined the phrase, but somebody mentioned how three years of change took place in three months. And mm-hmm. I would, I, I, to me, it seems so opportunistic. There should be so much more positivity coming on. Um, yeah. So that to me is probably the oddest element, but I guess yeah, to the victor, the spoil. <laughs> well, we're definitely you're definitely going to hear some things about it, and uh, we're going to lead into this uh, now because I, I do want to make sure that we we um, hear from John. And again, it's just seven seven or so minutes um, of of part of his presentation, and then come back because what he talks about is 
how you know co- life was complicated before. We've heard that for years. People just said life's just way more complicated than it used to be. Well, we moved from com- com- complicated, if I can say it, complicated to complex. And he had a really, really insightful approach to that. And it falls in lines what you were talking about of 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 finding identifying opportunity uh, within that complexity. And, you know, I, I even addressed that in my TED talk. We talked about VUCA, you know, being volatile, yep. uncertain, complex and ambiguous. And yet the kind of the approach to that, the way out of that is um, by vision, uh, understanding, clarity and agility. Uh, so there is a path and some people get paralyzed by it and some people see the opportunity standing right at our footstep. So with that, I'd like to to lead in. You're going to hear a brief introduction of, of John's background. Uh, and then he's going to talk about something. The reason I reached out to him in the first place, uh, because he posted something about uh, how we need to change uh, our world, our approach, uh, almost everything, whether it's education, industry, learning, um, you know, transportation, uh, the way we do everything, because we're, we're now moving from complicated to complex. So if Rebel can, our, our wonderful engineer can tee that up for us, um, take a listen. John is what he, he calls himself a knowledge mercenary who travels the globe to uncover lessons needed to uh, shift communities and help humanity thrive. And we all need that in this uh, time. But he's, as I mentioned, he's Africa's first faculty member at Singularity University in San Francisco. He's a lecturer at Duke Corporate Education in Johannesburg. And if you haven't, when you hear him speak, you'll know he's from South Africa. He just told me right before the show, he, was, he actually went to the same school as Trevor Noah. So uh, he, he set the, the ground for that. And he's a partner at the Copenhagen Institute of Future Studies. Welcome, John. Thank you so much. Uh, wonderful to be here and to meet all the good people up there on that side of the world. Uh, I'm obviously on the other opposite side of the world right now in Cape Town. So hello to everybody in here. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, it's my pleasure. Hey, one of the things, uh, one of the, I, I gave you a little hint on this because I know it's a tough question, but we're going to talk about what the future is like. Uh, one of the things uh, is, one of the questions I want to start out with is you, you study this, you study change, you're trying to anticipating this, you're trying to learn. Is there anything that really seemed odd or unexpected uh, in during this pandemic? I mean, anything that really surprised you that got you off guard? Uh uh, an odd question, and I like it because I've never actually been asked it. I think the, 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 the pandemic itself um, is as odd as it gets. The first time I heard that uh, Italy was going into shutdown, it was the first time I'd ever heard of 60 million people going into shutdown. That was really odd for me in many different ways. Uh, the second thing that I find really odd is something that we have termed the Corona Coaster here in South Africa. I'm not sure if it has the same name there in the States, but the Corona Coaster is this incredible roller coaster of emotions that everybody's going through. You are pinging between despair and hope and this lack of anchor into the future has many of us exhausted and our emotions are really at the end of their wits in many, many different people's lives. So for me, the odd thing is this inability to understand the future and not have an anchor into it is by far the oddest thing because I don't think any of us have ever had this situation happen to us where we're not looking forward to a holiday. We're not looking forward to, we actually don't even know what to look forward to because there is no end date to any of this. As a futurist and somebody that's always been interested in the future, I find it really tough 
that there is absolutely no certainty about what's to come. It's almost as if all the trends have been put out and have been postponed or canceled in some way. And we are now finding ourselves in a totally uncertain world. And so that any time that you are suffering from uncertainty and you don't know what is to come, the only thing you can manage is your behavior. And where you are able to manage your behavior, that becomes the key for you to thrive in a world that the paradigm and the rules and laws have changed for life and business. So the idea around complexity and complicated world, I'm not even going to go into simple because it's from far away, but let's start off with complicated to complex because I think that's the real crux of it. The reason we are in this sort of predicament or in this sort of new state is that every business has three pillars. The pillar of forecasting, planning, and executing. And what has happened now is that the forecasting pillar has lost its traction. It's lost its power. The world's best futurists claim they can see 400 years in the future, 400 days in the future. And the many of us can only see maybe a month or two months into the future because there's so much changing all the time. And the reason is, is that we have now squarely and firmly moved into a complex world. The world we came from, we were able to preempt the future based on past patterns. So let's look at what it means to be a complicated world. A complicated world has patterns, but these patterns are repeated. These complicated patterns can be worked out using mathematics and automation. And ultimately, these patterns become automated because they are just a set of repeated patterns. And that's what mathematics loves so much. Complexity, on the other hand, has very intricate patterns but they are not repeated. So you cannot use maths and automation to work yourself out of complex situations. And so what we need is we need to focus and realize that the world of complication, uh, complicated is a very different beast in as far as what you focus on. In a complicated world, you want to focus on hyper-efficiency to bring about productivity and profitability. In a complex world, you need to focus on robustness and longevity. You need to express yourself in many different versions. And so the analogy that I used in the video that you're talking about is when you arrive at an airport and you put your suitcase onto the conveyor belt, what happens is that the suitcase moves towards the plane, finds itself onto the same plane that you are on, hopefully, but most probably it does, utilizing automation, mathematics, and patterns that repeat themselves, hardly coming into contact with another human being, mostly automated. Why? In a complicated world, you focus on efficiency and getting to target. Now, you get onto the plane. The plane now is not going to be dealing with a complicated world. It's going to be dealing with a complex world. In other words, when the plane is up in the air, you have no idea what's coming at you. Will a bird fly into the engine? Will three of the engines malfunction? Will two of the pilots pass out? Will there be a lightning strike? We don't know. So what happens when you get onto a plane? The plane is built for complexity, not complications. And so because you have no patterns that are repeating, you have four engines when one is enough. You have five operating um, systems in case one breaks down or one falls away or one malfunctions in case some new problem arises up there in the sky. And finally, you have four pilots when one is enough in case one of the pilots has a bit of trouble. So we have to realize that we have moved from a world of just in time to a world of just in case. 
we need to realize that the just-in-time scenario was focused on efficiencies. The just-in-case is a world that we cannot preempt what the future will look like. And so what we need to realize is that as a baker, you can't just bake bread anymore. You have to have a YouTube channel. You have to teach a course on how to bake bread. You have to sell flour that you grow yourself in the farm where you come from. You have to have an apron pro, uh, range that you can sell to people. You need to have a robust expression of how you come forward into the world. And whatever business you're in, the ro more robust you are in your expression, the more chance you have to thrive rather than just merely focus on one sector and try and survive. The, there, there's so much within that to unpack. Um, you know, one of the things, you know, I, I love how he talks about moving from efficiency to robustness. Um, I, going from just in time to just in case. Um, the first time you heard that, and maybe today was the first time you heard it, what, what were your takeaways? What so interestingly enough, my first job out of college was selling material handling systems and forklifts. And I quite literally learned sales in the just-in-time manufacturing supply chain um, like era where just the time was it new, but it came, it came, if I remember correctly, it was a Toyota um, methodology, mm -hmm. and which is my way of saying that I've been talking about just the time for a long, long while. And I mean, I like it a lot. I like, I like the fact that he's bringing awareness to, you know, the, the notion of being prepared up to a certain degree is is really a, th a thing that people have to like come to terms with. There, there's certainly nothing that you could. You, there's no way anyone predicted what we're experiencing now. Um, what about you? What did what what did you what did you get from from his comment? So the, there's a couple things. What one is uh, I, I think just putting it under those terms. Um, you know, and again, whether it's correct, whether it's whether he's right. Uh, or, you know, whether it's still evolving, and I would probably go with the evolving, is is that there was at least uh, sort of putting it into a context of what are the opportunities out there? How do we need change? But what was most striking, I think, from that, and you're going to hear in the, in the segment after the commercial when we get there, uh, is how, I guess, how we've, we sort of milked that just-in-time efficiency uh, you know, going back to, you know, efficient, the, the model of efficiency in our economy was really back in going back to uh, 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 Henry Ford's time. You know, I mean, how do you how do you get most of the cars out? Uh, and then, you know, the automobile industry, the automotive industry, transportation industry, you know, drove our drove manufacturing and manufacturing drove our economy. Uh, for almost not quite a hundred years, but most most of a hundred years, and it was all based on this efficiency and pro and production, and that worked as long as we lived in a complicated world. But now that it's complex, um, we needed to change. So I think he put it in the context. But the other thing is, and I keep hearing this from from people that people want to go back to normal. You know, even go back to work. And it's interesting because back to work is just going to be crazy complex. It's not complicated, crazy complex. Right before this, um, I was supposed to be in, out in Indiana 
uh, given a presentation, and obviously not. Uh, but they they were delivering the webinars, and they had a webinar, and it was from attorneys, and and the attorneys were talking about uh, the response to COVID, of what you know what should be expected, what what do employers need to do, all the way you know from OSHA to um, you know to leave to HIPAA to health, to unemployment, to litigation. I mean, there's a million things. So the life for employers got a whole lot more complex. And it was pretty complex before with all the regulations that they Ah. needed to comply by. It is crazy because one is the rules, you know, I, I can't remember which agency, but let's say it was OSHA. OSHA comes down one day. And OSHA, by the way, only protects the employees. It doesn't matter if you're a consumer, it, you know, if you're a customer and you walk in there and you're injured, that OSHA doesn't protect you. It pr- protects, it protects, Correct. it protects the employees. Um, you know, HIPAA is, is about everybody's privacy, but basically, uh, you know, you have to be careful with that. So even the simple act of, hey, when everybody comes in, we take a temperature check and you and I, and, you know, we talked about this six months ago. So I think we were way out of the curve on this. We talked about what happens when somebody comes in and it's, you get your temperature checked. Um, even if it's normal, you're not supposed to reveal that, but if it's not normal, uh, and you pull somebody. Oh, did I lose your Ira? Well, I I know where you're going with it and I'm going to take it from here until you pop Uh, back here now. There you go. I'm, Welcome I'm back. back. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on today. Uh, comp- the complexity of, uh, of our world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, we talked about that. I mean, as soon as you come in and you have a temperature check, uh, you know, you could comply with OSHA to keep everybody safe that you're doing the temperature checks. Uh, but then you violate HIPAA because you, you you pulled somebody out of line or, or and revealed that uh, somebody went home. You know, how do you even send somebody home after that? Um, so there's there's a million challenges. Um, and I, I was I was even overwhelmed. And you know, I thrive on complexity and somewhat chaos. But I'm listening to this and it's like I couldn't even keep track of all the different laws. And in fact, they had five different, attorneys giving presentations and they all had a specialty it was like a, a subspecialty of of responses and litigations going on from covid and then you got into the unemployment insurance and the tax and accounting and you know w- with where we stand now um it's it, it's going to be crazy we're no one's going back i mean you, you're, nobody's going back to work you work know is going to be look very very different i mean everybody's going to go we have to work but nobody is going back to work we're coming right, right. And we're coming and we're coming back up. We're coming up on the break time here. You got me all excited about getting this out of my mind here, Ira. The real you know, we started the, the, the today's podcast talking about or or with the question, what's the oddest thing? To be honest, considering that this happens to be our podcast and we happen to have all of the other podcasts recorded, we have the proof. So I could say it without sounding like some sort of a you know, know it all, but we've been talking about this the whole time. And we like, we talked about how work is being redefined. And, and, you know, if you recall, and, and it's funny how we're now reliving our stories about what happened when we first got the whole COVID thing coming and hitting us. But the re the first question I had on the podcast, the day the, the, the shift hit the plan was, 
how many people are going to be staying at home because that has completely shifted the world into a need to have digital transformation. And that's precisely what we talk about all the time. We talk about how, you know, for me, life work integration is where emotional and artificial intelligence converges uh, converge. And now we have a true need. We have like, we talk, the, you know, you mentioned people wanting to go back to the old way of doing things, whether that's normal or work or whatever. It doesn't exist. It's it's as it's as real as the dinosaurs are now, to us. And the and that didn't even have to do with the legality of it, the OSHA component of it. I mean, I was talking to somebody earlier today, and they were asking me about doing a, a life work integration, like live presentation. And talking about how now there are venues who are making no money, maybe they'll be willing to split up like every six seats. You can have two people mm-hmm. sit there, you know, like because it it puts butts in the seats and it keeps a distance. And for the record, I don't think I'll sell out any venues quite yet, but maybe a couple dozen people will show up knowing that there'll be a limited amount of space and room to be had. So there's like all these crazy shifts going on. And then it reminds me of our buddy. Um, oh, his name just escaped me. Um, the economics guy. Uh, get, uh, oh, Al, Alan Ballou. Alan, right? Like they were talking about how they originally said six months and everything was going to yeah. like was going to be, um, you know, OK. But what they really emphasized was the immense amount of change that's going to come. Yeah, and and I tried to get Alan on, but he is so so busy, and he oh. so he pro- he promised he'd be on in the fall. So, uh, for 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 everyone you know out there, so hopefully we're going to be able to get him in the fall back again. Um, but you're listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm here with my co-host Keith Compagna, and we're talking about the interview we did uh, with John Sine. Uh, and you're, you're get, we're, we're sharing a couple clips with him because it is just, um, it, it's fascinating. I, I'm just mesmerized. I keep going back and, and, and listening to it over and over again. Uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, when he comes back, we're going to be talking about what his view is on the future of leadership. Uh, which is fascinating, and also something he calls foresight. He actually he talks about four mental mindsets, uh, and uh, you know, and and the one that's going to count the most is foresight. So we're going to take a short break. We're going to hear from our sponsors, Zor.ai and Success Performance Solutions. So stay right where you are. We'll be back in about two minutes. <music> Hiring top talent shouldn't be left up to the roll of the dice. And yet, that's exactly what many organizations do. They roll the dice, cross their fingers, and pray for a better outcome. Hiring the right employees the first time is much too important and way too costly to leave to a game of chance. Your employees and your customers deserve better. For 25 years, Success Performance Solution has been helping small and medium-sized businesses hire smarter. They offer pre-employment and leadership assessments from typing and data entry, to C-suite competence. Whether it's production, sales, healthcare, call centers, or management, Success Performance Solutions can help. Visit their website at www.successperformancesolutions.com to schedule a free demo or call 800-803-4303. Imagine how your company would grow 
if your candidate experience earned a 99% approval rating. Well, to get to 99%, you need the three best letters in recruitment technology, XOR. Zor's text bots, chatbots, and audio bots increased IKEA's candidate conversion rate 455%. Zor decreases candidate drop-off rates, improves your candidate experience, and collects analytics for future strategies. To learn more, check out Zor.ai. That's XOR.ai. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm your host, Ira Wolf, and I'm here with Keith Compagna, and we are talking about future leadership, future work. Uh, when during the break, uh, Keith and I were just chatting and and kind of going back over the last six months of people we talked about, and it's hard to believe. I mean, we talked with uh, Jason uh, Cochran and. Um, um, I'm just I'm I'm trying to blank on his name too, uh, right now. But we, you know, back in March, we wow. we were talking about you know crisis management, how to get out of it. We talked about Bill Collette with Bill Coletti. We talked about reputation management, how how important it was going to be, and that was just at the very outset of this. And here we are, six months later, and people are still. I think they just thought it was going to pass. But during the break, we brought up. Um, you know, I guess one of the odd things is, uh, you know, that we, and we keep hearing it, that how did the country with the best health care system or the best medical care, I won't say healthcare system, but medical care in the world, the most advanced medical care in the world, why are we still struggling? Why are, why are we in this situation? And it was because the delivery system, going back to what John Sine was talking about, about being efficient and productive. Um, where it wasn't robust. I mean, the difference between efficiency and robustness. <laughs> Yet the difference between efficiencies and being robust is the same as being prepared for what's to come next or sitting back on your business laurels. And yeah. I think that the, when we look at the medical industry, the healthcare industry, we look at it as a system that was set for one specific, really functioning in one specific money-making way, and that's the high-end the cancer treatments, the Pfizer drugs, a lot of the high-end profit comes from the research and development-based services. And now we see how we couldn't deliver on a mass need as it relates to healthcare needs with COVID. And I think it reflects more on the systems that were in place that were really fragile and really in a position to break wide open. And that's what I see us having right now. You know, we spoke at length and I presented in front of SHRM groups, HR groups, CFO groups, business owner groups. And we essentially talked about how before COVID, 70% of the entire workforce was disengaged in some, in some way. And I don't care to hear HR's fluffy terms about disengagement being partially disengaged or seriously disengaged. Disengaged is disengaged. It's like yep. saying you're mm -hmm. yeah. honest when you go like you when you're going to go to a convention and you tell your wife before you leave, hey, honey, I'm going on a vacation. I'm going to be kind of loyal to you. You know, you're not <laughs> kind of loyal. You're right. loyal. So you're not kind of disengaged. You're disengaged. And at the very same time, we see that we were saying that 70 percent of the workforce was dealing with some sort of mental stress yeah. scenario and well-being, the well-beingness of entire workforces was essentially a question mark. 
And then this came and this broke everything, everything right into. And it's it broke the political system. It broke the global finance system. It, it it's breaking uh, c- civil based systems. And we're talking and I mean this in a positive way. I don't see the the straw, the, the proverbial covid straw that broke the camel's back as being negative. I, I don't want anybody to be right. harmed. I don't want anyone's parents to die because of COVID. But the truth of the matter is I sell software and I've had people buy software and have to implement that software and change is messy and it's hard, but it's worth it. And I think over time, this is going this could prove to be, and I sincerely hope this proves to be that unbelievable blessing in disguise. Uh, and and, uh, and I'm with you, which is a great segue into the next segment with John, because John's going to talk uh, and it'll, when we go to John, it's going to come in right away. Uh, but what we're what he talks about is these four mindsets. And, you know, hi, he, he calls them hindsight. Just give you a heads up. Hindsight, plain sight, uh, insight and foresight. And it really is that progression. And this is about a mindset that either this is the worst thing that ever happened to us and the world's going to hell in a handbasket, or there is just abundance of opportunity sitting right in front of us. And then he's going to talk a little bit about leadership and then we'll come back. Yeah, let's do it. Um, For many years, spoke about the future to organizations and governments. And what I realized that very few people actually were changing their behavior in line with this future. And so I would speak to organizations, do the strategy sessions, everybody was positive, and I would go back and pretty much nothing had changed. And so then I started writing this book uh, called Foresight, and I broke it down into understanding the different sights we have as human beings. And by sight, I don't only mean this sight, but I mean perspective of sight. And so the first sight that I broke down in that book was hindsight. And hindsight are people that live in their memories and keep repeating their memories. There's a great saying from Dr. Joe Dispenza. He says, are you living a life based on a set of memories from your past? Are you living a life based on the vision of your future? And many people are in repetition of their pasts, expecting a different outcome, but really just living the same life over and over and over. And businesses and people in positions of executive power are really kind of trying to relive their past and do it just a bit better. And if you're living in hindsight, you're never able to prepare for the future because you're much more focused on your past and repeating it than you are actually developing anything new and working towards it. And most of the world is stuck in hindsight without even realizing that they're stuck in hindsight. The second sight that I unpacked is plain sight. The people that are the logical thinkers, they don't like any idea around what we perceive is what we receive. They are not thinkers or believers in quantum science. What they are is believers in Newton science or Newtonian science. And Newtonian science says for every action, there's a reaction. Quantum science says you are the reaction. You are the one who is actually creating what you need to be seeing and receiving and projecting and expecting. All of it's you. None of it's anybody else's. And it's funny because as human beings, what we do is we love to take ownership of the cool things that we create or the synergies, but the bad things are never us. That's somebody else or the government or whoever it is, not us. And so we fall into a state of victimhood when we're in plain sight. And then you get insights. And insights are the people with the incredible levels of education, the ones that have got all the degrees ready, geared, and tooled up for a complicated world. Those people 
are in high levels of insight. But what foresight is for me is the level of heart-led decision-making based on what makes you curious, adaptable, optimistic, and excited. Because when you start making decisions from that place, when you break out the mindset that you have to be following a degree to become successful, when you can realize that your uniqueness, your combination of topics, no matter what field or sector that is in, will actually be your most powerful version of yourself. Because what you want to do is you want to include or infuse or focus your life on what makes time disappear. And when you are doing something that makes time disappear, you're now in your flow state. And when you're in your flow state, you're at your most curious, you're at your most creative. And so foresight is the combination of brain-heart coherence so that you can have this very elegant, calm, focused energy and access to this collaborative process of innovation and disruptive ideas. So you have to ask yourself a question, both in your organization as well as in yourself. Are you living in hindsight, plain sight, insight, or are you ready for some foresight? I then asked John what he thought was needed for future leadership. So leadership is not about new practices. It's about new principles and a deep human philosophical discussion we actually need to have. And look, this happens in all fields of human endeavor. It's happened uh, in physics, in medicine. It's happening in climate change right now. And it comes to a point that you cannot solve new problems using old ways. And so if we realize that the principles of bureaucracy, of formalization, specialization, standardization are great if your goal is efficiency at scale. But today, the world doesn't need efficiency at scale. It needs adaptability at scale. And so we have to realize that it's not just the coronavirus that's done this. We've also had the fear of climate change or the reality of climate change happening around us, ethnic con conflict, mass economic migration, cyber threats, job displacement. There's so many moving parts that the leadership are really out of their depth. They don't understand how they want to go about doing this because Ultimately, most leaders are addicted to power and they can't let go of their power. They don't trust the younger generation to do a better job. And that's where the real immaturity lies, is that they have totally out of their depths and understanding this new world. Every time you watch the Senate interview anybody in tech, you can see how out of touch they are with what's actually going on in the ground. And a lot of leaders want their organizations to seem agile but are really are unwilling to dedicate themselves to the principles of autonomy, speed, transparency, meritocracy, and experimentation. The older generation can't actually let go of the old ways of thinking. And so it's like almost a dictator holding an election. It's got all the trappings of democracy, but there's the spirit of this new type of leadership is totally missing from these old uh, school types of leaders. And these old school private leaders have been focused on economies of scale because that's what's been shoved down our throats through accounting and economics and through every type of uh, business formula or business degree that anybody got. It was all about economies of scale. And these leaders are all following that doctrine. But today we find ourselves in the need of economies of learning. And so we have to move from this hierarchical process to a networked one. And it's not really a bureaucracy that's uh, uh, stifling us. It's our addiction to power and it's our uh, leaders that don't want to let go of that power. And the new world we're in right now doesn't need power over anymore. It needs power with 
And this is the new type of power, which is actually a much more feminine power and not less a young, immature, masculine power. And so we have to realize that the world we're living in right now doesn't just require a new principle. It actually requires a new philosophy. Keith, I know you were chomping at the bit there. I was getting, <laughs> you were chatting with me. You're, this, of all the people, of all the people, I missed the opportunity to talk to this guy. Oh, hey, I gave Ira. you the chance. I gave you the chance. I hey, know. And, and, you, bro, and if you remember, you know, last you know week, me, I... it's all my fault. Um, <laughs> you know, okay. So first and foremost, it is so rewarding to, to hear that John, who is, uh, you know, so intimately aware and, and a part of Singularity University. And if, for those of you that don't know what Singularity University is doing, instead of watching the news tonight, Google Singularity University and just learn about them. Spend 15 minutes, just tip the ice, tip of the iceberg kind of thing, and you'll see where I'm going with this. But the truth of the matter is that, you know, I, I, you must have been smiling ear to ear 10 minutes ago when I was telling you my thoughts because there's so much to the truth of what's going on. I actually found a couple of places I didn't necessarily agree with the way he said something. But with that in mind, uh, I absolutely agree with it. And, you know, the one place that I want to maybe add to is that he mentions how leadership and, and I mean, Ira, we're, we're talking about leaders across the globe in every industry. We're no longer talking about HR leaders. We're not no longer talking about sales leaders. What we're doing now is talking about everyone who is in a leadership position and how the very vast majority of them are in their deep, like what he says is they're, they're out of their depth. They're over their head and they don't know where to go. Um, I think that the resolution, the path of least resistance to a better world has to start with individuals. I don't think it's leadership. As a matter of fact, I think it's that habit of waiting for a leader some leader to show up and take you to the promised land is what's keeping people from actually making the kind of progress that they could. And he references Joe Dispenza and, you know, Flow State and Stephen Kotler. These are people should be Googling these names and understanding that quite literally you can live in a world and maybe more importantly, begin to contribute to a world that's built on a new platform that isn't about scaling for the sake of money, but for growing a business because it's fun to do and you can help people. And you might make money along the way. So there's so much to go here. And it's funny because it's it's almost time to sign off. And I, yet again, it's just me and you. And I feel like we could go for another hour. <laughs> oh, we, we, yeah. We, and that's only part. That was 14 minutes out of a 50-minute conversation I had with them. So you, you can imagine. So, but And for those who are interested uh, in, in seeing the whole presentation uh, or the whole conversation, not a presentation, uh, you can go to crowdcast.io. That's C-R-O-W-D-C-A-S-T dot I-O forward slash Ira Wolf and uh, John's webinar is posted there along with the upcoming ones, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, and any of the other past ones we've had. Uh, we've had some great conversations. John just was, uh, you know, <laughs> just really, really good. Um, and uh, you know, again, I, I think the, the, his some so many concepts just in those 14 minutes that we heard from him. You know, economies of scale uh, or adaptability at scale. 
-hmm. economies of learning, not economies of scale. Uh, you know, when he talked about plain sight, um, you know, there's a lot of victimhood going on right now that it's somebody's fault. We, we see that all the time. I mean, the reason that, uh, you know, even I, I heard this yesterday, the reason that the uh, college uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 called off their time. It's like, oh, it's the governors, it's the politicians, it's the Democrats. Uh, hey, if if everybody wore their masks and kept a safe distance and did their part, then there might have been a football season. But because it became so politicized and different and we had to find someone to blame for our inconvenience, it was there. And I don't want to go down the political road, but no, but it, you know what? But it's macro. And and, yeah. and you, we didn't yeah. even mention or re-mention the feminine movement. Well, we did last week. That was interesting because I had talked to John the day before. Uh, Lori Rudiman was on when we talked about your your yeah. uh, your work is, is not your worth. And I said, you know, that that she that Lori needed to. You know, she would she would love that topic. And I knew you would, too. Uh, but we've just got a few minutes here. I do want to remind everybody um, or not remind everybody, but I'll let everybody know we I've got another webinar coming up tomorrow. And uh, I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Diane Hamilton. Uh, you've heard her on the Geek Skeezers and Go Geek Skeezers and Googleization <laughs> show. Tried to get it out too fast. Um, uh, we're going to be talking to her again. A recap. And this was amazing. I, I, this, this statistic I just ran across. Only 24% of employees feel curious. Now, with everything we just talked about today. Totally get it. 70% of people are disengaged, which maybe this, it's, maybe it's that 70% are also not curious. They yeah. want to be told what to do. They want to be given a paycheck. They just want to know that everything's going to work out. Yeah. And 70%, but here's the other kicker. 70% said they face barriers at work when they ask questions. This is nuts. So what we're going to be talking about tomorrow, um, which is Thursday, August 13th, just for anybody who's who's, who's looking at the, the calendar. Um, basically, you can go to crowdcast.io forward slash Ira Wolf and you can sign up. It's free. And Dr. Diane Hamilton and I will be talking about curiosity and cracking the curiosity code. Um, can, can I add something real quick? Yeah, real quick. Uh, because of the topics today, I got to remind everybody, please, if you're curious about developing from the inside out, check out KeithCompagna.com. Life work integration is real. It's something that anyone can create a life they feel is worth living, no matter your stress, no matter where you're starting, no matter where you want to go. If you want help, I can help. Reach out through KeithCompagna.com. Appreciate that. And uh, we will be talking about that. I know you sent me a chat and uh, we're getting, next week. Actually, we're going to be talking about one of my new favorite subjects, which is blue ocean strategy. Yeah. And it's going to be a follow up today because we're going to be talking about where are the opportunities that are right in front of us that we're missing? How do you find those? Because there's a lot of blue ocean out there right now. Only people are just seeing red. Uh, again, uh, if you want to listen to uh, John Sine's presentation, uh, one is you can go pick up his book, foresight or if you want to uh, listen to the whole presentation it's actually on my youtube channel as well which is youtube.com forward slash ira wolf uh you can listen you can watch it there or go to cradcast.io uh this has been another episode our 32nd of the year is now under our belt we want to thank everybody for listening we want to thank zor.ai and success performance solution for being our sponsors and allowing us to, uh, to be on the air 
we've been having, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we, we've just hopefully elevated this conversation for you. I know it's been uh, really, uh, you know, a wonderful experience with Keith and my, for Keith and myself. Uh, we love learning from people. We love sharing that. Uh, and we're going to keep it going. Uh, we just signed on uh, for W4CY for another year. So we're going to be here uh, for hopefully up to 150 shows or, or, more. or more. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be keeping going on. So um, you can catch any of the replays on Apple Podcasts, Google, iHeart, Spotify, almost anywhere uh, that you want to go. Uh, and also... Uh, We'll be back next week, Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, W4CY.com. This is Ira Wolf and Keith Campagna, Campagna from the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. Don't let the shift hit your plans. Mm-hmm.